It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Has the president reached out to any of these governors? So here's the thing, and I was asked this question earlier today. I don't know why we would reach out Mm -hmm. to a governor or governors who are clearly playing a political game, right? It is something that they're doing not to find a solution, but to literally literally put people's lives at risk. Putting people's lives at risk, that's Karine Jean-Pierre. The press secretary, that's what she's accusing Governor Ron DeSantis of doing. You're putting people's lives at risk because you sent 15 illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard where they were, you know, quickly within 24 hours moved to, a, you know, mainland in Massachusetts to a military base. Uh, so that's kind of ironic given what we're about to talk about. But let me first say good morning. We are in our second day of uh, Hold Their Feet to the Fire 2022. And uh, again, I'm looking at the beautiful Union Station with the sun shining like like in my eyes almost, but just went above the tent, so that's a blessing. But it's a beautiful time to be in Washington. This is my favorite time of the year in this place. It is just beautiful. Septembers are just breathtaking. And so, you know, even though there are a lot of things happening that are bad in those buildings, (laughs) they are still beautiful, and we're grateful to be here. Um, My next guest has a story to tell, and I've asked her to join us this morning. I... uh, you know, you've taught, you've heard through the years of angel families. You hear, you remember when President Trump presented several of the angel families uh, at when he would speak at a at a whatever it was inaugural address or when he was speaking speaking to the nation, uh, and he really centered on the plight that they had suffered when illegal immigrants had come across the border. They were criminals and they caused death, often among family members. Well, what's happened to that? Surely, I mean, obviously, you think about the the two million at least who've come across the border, the 4.5 who've tried to get across the border, and those unknown who've made it across the border. Surely, there have been more of these things. Um, I don't know of those stories yet, but I think our next guest does. Her name is Maureen Maloney, and uh, she uh, is part of Advocates Advocates for the Rights of Illegal Aliens. And thanks for joining us, Maureen. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, first of all, just tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? So I'm from Massachusetts. Massachusetts, the yes. center of everything. Yes. Well, actually it was in the beginning, wasn't it? The center of everything. You have the best constitution, and it was at one time a state that was a model for the for the colonies, really. It, it was, yes. Yeah, so, um, all right. So, Maureen, you're, you're, you have a family. I do. And, but your life really changed like in... 2011, which seems like a million years ago, doesn't it? Probably not to it, you. It seems like a million years ago. And on one hand, on the other hand, it was like yesterday. Yeah. So, tell us what happened. This was uh, August the 20th of uh, 2011. First of all, describe your life then. What was happening in life? Um, so, my life then, I had two sons. One was 23 and had just graduated college. The other one was 25. 
my life was wonderful. I mean, I had raised two wonderful sons. I was working. I had a great, a good husband. I mean, my life was great, and I was so thankful for, uh, you know, having raised two young men who turned out so well. Yes. And so, what happened on that day? So, um, on that day, um, my son Matthew was 23 and had graduated college uh, just three months uh, prior to that day. He was helping his friend work on his mother's car and he was uh, coming home from there and was riding a motorcycle in a residential area when uh, an illegal alien who had been drinking all day long uh, got behind the wheel of a truck. He ran through a stop sign and collided with Matthew. Uh, it was a low impact collision because it was in a residential area and Matthew landed on the hood of the truck and rolled off into the street and should have survived with just some scrapes and bumps. Uh, but the illegal alien decided to flee, and when he did, he ran Matthew over and dragged him a quarter of a mile while horrified witnesses were banging and pleading with him to stop the truck. And so Matthew died. So Matthew died, and um, in, a, in, in a split second, you know, my life was forever changed. Uh, by the way, if the people could see if we had a camera, you have a picture of him in his graduation cap. Beautiful picture. Handsome guy. Not that that matters, uh, but... Just the description. Mm -hmm. So you get word of this, and how do you get word of this? And who, do, how do you, how describes this thing to you? So uh, I got the call from the hospital that my son was in an accident, and I should come to the hospital right away. And uh, so I went to the hospital, and we passed the scene of the accident, and I saw Matthew's motorcycle in the road. Oh my gosh! But it was just laying on its side. There was no broken pieces or anything and uh, when I got the call I, I knew it was something horrible but then when we passed the motorcycle I thought oh thank God he, he's not seriously hurt because the motorcycle was intact right. but when I got to the hospital and they put me in one of those small conference rooms I knew the news was going to be catastrophic and um, the doctor just came in and said I'm sorry we did everything we could but your son didn't survive and then he just left and it, it was one of the nurses that was there with us that really provided us with answers and you know support so in 2011 Barack Obama's president now Barack Obama was actually on Martha's Vineyard the day my my son was killed oh wow That's yeah he was vacationing in you know, Martha's Vineyard we know how he loves that island you know he has a home there now yeah, eight million dollar a home i think it is yeah, yeah. Uh, how ironic mm -hmm. given what's happening this week and last week but uh maureen um you didn't know that then you didn't know all you know now that was right. 2011 and that's when things were really getting bad at the border because barack obama you know opened up the floodgates as uh, as has uh, um joe biden but barack obama laid the groundwork for this yes well so did several other uh, senator kennedy did in the 60s before that uh but what was the situation then we can remind me remind me in 2011 what we were facing were you aware of illegal immigrants coming into the country was this a whole new world to you to, to learn about what was happening you know i i, I was aware because our town was being affected um but i you know i only thought of them as people fleeing their you know, poverty-ridden countries right. and coming here, and I knew they were coming here illegally, and that wasn't right, but I wasn't right. speaking out against Yes, yeah, so that's the way a lot of people felt. Republicans certainly felt that way, too. That's why they let it happen. Uh, but, all right, so you're just, I know we don't want to belabor all of this. You've been through this and this kind of living through it again, but how in the world did you process that, Maureen? How did you, were you angry, and what brought you to the point you are today? Because your countenance is really sweet, 
Uh, it seemed, I'm sure this, is, this moment is painful, but how did you process all this and come out in a good place? So, you know, at, at first you're just numb. You can't believe the world continues to move on when your life you know, has has uh, been so devastated. But I did find out that Matthew was actually the third person in my town in Milford, Massachusetts, to be killed in a two-year period by an illegal alien. Three separate incidents. But the news won't report it. Well, so the, the yeah. local news uh, did give Matthew's death a lot of attention. One, because he was the third, and also because it was such a horrific story. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of thrown into the local media spotlight uh and that's where I started speaking out. And then as I learned more, I realized this is going on throughout the country and how many people are dying at the hands of illegal aliens. And all these deaths are preventable because these people should not be here. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't want my son's death to be in vain. I want to prevent other families from suffering what we're suffering. Um, you know, I don't want any more people to be killed by illegal aliens. I have no idea. I haven't heard of stories. There must be a bunch, bunch of them about now criminal acts well some of them some we're hearing smatterings of them but there's got to be um, tons of a, a, whether it's criminal acts or drunk driving they're not supposed to be driving our cars don't they don't know the rules of the road they don't speak the english um the english <laughs> they don't speak english <laughs> what do you know about what's happening now so you know there are thousands of people being killed each year by illegal aliens and you know back 11 years ago the media would uh report what were red flags so I could identify that and do some more research and find out that these people are illegal aliens. But, you know, the media covers it up now. They'll say, like, you know, you know, a man from D.C., they won't say his immigration status. Right, exactly. uh, They won't even put in anymore if they're licensed or unlicensed. So it, it's very generic. It's very hard. But, um, you know, I'm in contact with a lot of other organizations who collect data locally. In, in uh, North Carolina, there's... I've thousands of stories of uh, children being raped by illegal aliens because there's an organization down there that's collecting this data. But there is no agency that's collecting it throughout the country. All right. So you are, I, I don't know anything about this other than you're working, hoping to pass some legislation. What's that all about? Uh, or, or some initiative to stop this? Well, what I'm working on in Massachusetts right now, which is a little bit different. than A voter initiative. Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, it's driver's license initiative. So, oh um, well, that ties in because that's how is. that's how so they're getting. Our legislator just passed a law over Governor Baker's veto that will uh, provide driver's licenses for illegal aliens. It will be the exact same driver's license that uh, citizens of Massachusetts have. Uh, oh. So, I have filed uh, a referendum to get the question on the ballot in November. We did get it on the ballot. Um, so now we need to get people to get out and vote and to vote no to giving a driver's license to illegal aliens because this just creates a magnet for more of them to come to our state. And with the valid form of identification, makes them eligible to apply for Medicaid and, 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 and voting. Allow, and can get away with in voting. Massachusetts, when you apply for a driver's license, you're automatically enrolled yeah. to vote unless you opt out. Yes. Well, guess who was behind that initially? That was Barack Obama. He was one of the pushy. He did that in Illinois. That's how that all started. That's my home state, oh. Chicago. So... But Massachusetts, there is like a real move to bring Massachusetts back, uh, at least from my perspective. I have friends out there who are, are working. I just want to know what your perspective is. I know there's a lot of leftists. They went out there first. Massachusetts went blue, blue, you know, totally blue a long time ago. Do you feel like people are becoming stirred and wanting to bring their state back? 
You know, I, 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 that was my experience with collecting signatures for this referendum. Um, Sixty percent of Massachusetts voters are you know, unenrolled independents, and we had tons of them signing up for the petition. You know, they want to support our police. They don't want illegal aliens to get driver's license. They, they don't want to see them voting. Uh, so hopefully we're going to have a, a little bit of a you know red wave in Massachusetts in November. What what do you have? A, who are I mean you may not if you can name a name do tell us who the what are the candidates in Massachusetts and what are you hoping for there? Well, Jeff Deal is running for governor. That's right, Jeff Deal. Uh, Jeff is awesome. He's uh, you know very conservative. He's been a big supporter of this referendum that I'm doing. He backs the blue. He wants uh, medical freedom for people to make their own choices on if they're going to get vaccinated or not and, and make their own medical decisions. And he is, you know, state workers were fired when they didn't get the COVID vaccine. And he says on day one he will rehire those rehire those state workers who lost their jobs over the vaccine. We should say that in Massachusetts, in spite of... Uh in spite of it being a blue state, as I just described, it's had a Republican governor for years. Mitt Romney was the governor, mm -hmm. Charlie Baker. Of course, I have my own thoughts about what they were actually doing. They <laughs> didn't. They they say they're Republicans, but they govern as liberals, and so that's how that happens. But Jeff Deal is the real he, deal. He is the real <laughs> deal. Is that his Absolutely. slogan? Is that his election slogan? <laughs> I'm the real deal. I'm the real conservative. Yeah, he he he's a great guy, and. Um, you know, I really hope we can get him elected in November. How about your House of Delegates and so forth? What's the makeup of that? Are they? Do you do you have any? We are you hoping to take some make some grounds there too? We are hoping to make some grounds there. Um, we uh, we have Caroline Carla Russo who is running for Congress uh, in I think it's District Five, but she's another very strong conservative. She's running against Catherine Clark, who is uh, you know Nancy Pelosi wannabe. Um, and then we have some local candidates. We have Ryan Fatman, who is a state senator, and he's running for re-election. Uh, he's been a big supporter in the uh, driver's license. I have issues. to say, I have to ask you a quick, before we run out of time here, Martha's Vineyard, you know, you yeah. know well what they did. How do the people of Massachusetts feel about what they did? We're running out of time, just 30 seconds here. Uh, you know, so people are laughing at that because Martha's Vineyard is a whole different world from where we are. So, but it's do, the rich and famous that yeah, live there. So, but the hypocrisy is pretty obvious here, right? Right. They 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 got rid of them very quickly yeah. and sent them to a military base. Maureen Maloney, listen, God bless you, and um, I'm so sorry for your loss, but I'm really glad to see what God's done in your life. There's Thank some you. redemption here. Yes, God has got me to where I am today. He does not waste these tragedies in our lives. He doesn't if we allow Him to use us. So that's what you've done. And I'm thank you. That's a good thing. All right, Sandy Rios coming up. Uh, Scott Perry, Congressman Scott Perry will be joining us. So. Stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Hi, I'm Pastor Bert Harper. My wife, Jan, and I would like to invite pastors and their wives to the Fishbowl Retreat. I'm co-host of Exploring the Word and Exploring Missions here on AFR. But I've also been a pastor for many years. So I know pastors and their families deal with unique challenges. That's why we started this retreat years ago. Pastors are called to a higher standard, and we want to come alongside and offer support. The AFA Pastors and Wives Fishbowl Retreat is returning October 18th through the 20th to Linden Valley Conference Center in Linden, Tennessee. You don't even need to miss a Sunday. Our guest speakers are another pastor and his wife, Will and Mickey Addison of American Family Radio. Register today by calling 662-844-5036, extension 297 or at repairingthefoundations.net. The AFA Pastors and Wives Fishbowl Retreat. We'd love to see you there. 
The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. The credit card debt happened when my daughter was born. I was using one credit card account to roll over into another credit card account, and it was snowballing. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. When I first called Trinity, the representative understood the need based on the situation. They were great people to work with. From the first phone call that I made, they had me on a track to mitigate the credit card debt. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make a switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. A high school teacher boasted on social media about creating an explicitly queer space in his taxpayer-funded classroom. The teacher kept his name and location private. He said most days he comes to school wearing stilettos, boasting about standing six foot six in heels. The teacher also bragged about coming to school in drag and makeup. He said school administrators had no problem with his behavior, and they were just glad he was making a safe space for kids. Now, this guy is a sex and gender revolutionary, using his classroom to indoctrinate and confuse kids. Whatever happened to teaching young people to be good and productive members of society? Whatever happened to reading and writing and math and science? And whatever happened to teachers who used to wear sensible shoes in the workplace? Homeschool your children, America. My new book makes a terrific stocking stuffer. Our Daily Biscuit Devotions with a Drawl, available right now at ToddStarns.com. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. A bill to amend Title III, United States Code, to reform the process for the counting of electoral votes and for other purposes. The question is on passage of the bill. Those in favor say aye. aye. Those opposed say no. In the opinion of the chair, the ayes have it. The bill is passed. The gentleman from Illinois seeks recognition. May I request a recorded vote by electronic device? Members will record their votes by electronic device. This is a 15-minute vote. On this vote, the yeas are 229, the nays are 203. The bill is passed. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. The bill is passed. Thank you. All right, don't any of you ever say that Congress is not getting things done, because this Congress, under Nancy Pelosi, are getting a lot of things done. What they were talking about there is the bill that Liz Cheney and Zoe Lofgren are co-sponsoring, the bill that says that the vice president can't have anything to do now with the electoral votes, has no authority, 
uh, can't stop the voting, can't make sure the electors are rightly decided, can't do anything. But think of it as, I thought that was the case. Isn't that what Mike Pence told us, that he had no power, that that's why he didn't intervene? Uh, so why the bill? Uh, so um, that's my question, and I, boy, what an unfair question to toss to my guest, Congressman Scott Perry, who's the head of the Freedom Caucus, represents uh, the people of Pennsylvania. Congressman, thanks for joining me this morning. Well, thanks so much. And, of course, the other portion of the bill, or one of the other portions of the bill, is the fact that um, even though you've won your election, even though the people of the district that you live in and represent or seek to represent have voted for you, portion of this bill says that they will not seat you and and they're using the constitution saying well if you opposed if you if you did what i did um objected to the electors for legitimate you reasons you can't be seated if you objected to the electors well they'll That's decide the they'll decide whether you can who's be seated. who's the congress or yes. who's going to decide yeah, the majority party oh boy how what's happened to liz cheney she has lost oh. her mind she has become one of our greatest opponents I mean, by us, who's us? It's people who love the Constitution, right, people right. who love this country, love the law, the rule of law. I just, it's amazing what tr- hatred of Trump has done to reasonable people. Yeah, they, they're blinded by their hate for him, and they really can't see uh, what's happening literally with half, at least half the country. But I have to say, and you don't have to comment on this, but I comment on this, and I just, this, this makes Pre- Vice President Pence's excuses about what he did on January the 6th, uh, this reveals the hypocrisy because otherwise, if he had no power to stop that or to do something to help to make sure the electors were properly decided, uh, then they wouldn't be passing this bill. Yeah, so that is very telling, isn't it? It is very telling. So, um, uh, okay, Congressman, uh, last time we spoke, uh, it was about, part of it was about them, the FBI coming up to you and demanding your phone. They took your phone, and as I understand it, even... Look, I heard this yesterday, and I can't think of the, the description, but someone in the Justice Department who's supposed to be like inspector or making sure things go well actually was the one who copied your information. Is that right? The, the inspector general was in on the confiscation of the phone. So understand the inspector general is supposed to be an in, impartial arbiter of what the whatever they're inspecting, whether it's the Department of Justice. Most of these agencies have an inspector general to kind of keep a watch over and make sure they're doing the right thing impartially. But the inspector general was in on the decision. So you wonder about impartiality. Look, I think that the, that the country gets the fact at this point that the, the Department of Justice, the FBI, the instruments of federal power have been weaponized and are now the muscle for the Democrat Party. I'm hearing that the FBI is getting ready to, uh, oh, this is my word, implode, like maybe even the end of this week, that uh, tons more agents are coming out of the woodwork. We had, what, 20-something like that coming right. out, and that they're, they've just, like, had it. They've had it. you know anything about that that you could say? I, I can't say. Um, of course, I'm not a good predictor of the future, so I try and stay out of that business. I just know an unprecedented number of FBI agents. These are these are good, hard-working folks, the people that we have always revered, the people that live in your home town have had enough they have come into uh, uh, members of Congress and the Senate's office even in the minority understand we're in the minority with no power to do anything but these FBI agents have said we are not going to be a part of this we're not going to be party to this you need to know these things are happening even and the FBI said then send out a memo saying you cannot 
members of the FBI, members of the Department of Justice cannot go visit Congress, taking away their rights because they don't want the American people and the legislative branch to have any oversight over the things that they're doing. And they're, and, and they're jeopardizing their careers and, and, and their livelihoods by doing it. Well, case in point, uh, the one agent, right. the one whistleblower was uh, suspe- suspended, I think right. is the word, right. uh, out of the field office talking about the rottenness yeah. uh, in the leadership. It's pretty stunning. It, it is stunning. Yeah. And, and, of course, what's really, really scary about it is this is the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And so most people, you know, they, they think that these folks are out uh, uh, trying to solve crimes and, and get after criminals as crime is running rampant across our country at record levels right now. And instead, they're coming after an American people that, that dare to have the temerity, the audacity to go to a school board meeting and question the school board who's, who's trying to indoctrinate their children on some kind of elementary school kids about sex or something completely inappropriate. If you have the gall to go visit the school board meeting and, and, and have an opinion about it, this is the school that you pay for in your taxes under threat of law, under threat of imprisonment. Well, then they put a threat tag on you. Th- this is where we have come to, and it is it is super scary for people. Yeah, they're, they're actually also, the whistleblower said they're cooking the numbers on the so-called domestic extremists. You know, sure. Cooking the numbers, make it seem like, you know, this is the number one, this is what Chris Ray told us. This is right. the number one threat to the country. These people, these domestic extremists, and we they don't really exist with, when in the true definition of those words, they they hardly exist. Right, well, look. Except on TIFA, yeah, yeah. A Black Lives Matter, you know, uh, yeah. But, but we would turn to a blind eye to Antifa. That's scary. And, and these other markets. Marxist organizations. Meanwhile, we're going after uh, moms and dads that um, that are just trying to pay their taxes and and work for a living and and are concerned about you know their children and their well-being at their school that they pay for. Uh, and heaven forbid they have a question, and if they do have a question, if they have a difference of political opinion, that suddenly we're living with the Stasi. This right? is the Stasi. This is the Nazis. The you know the stormtroopers. This is you know all those movies we saw where they dragged people out in the street and out of their beds. You know this is actually what we're seeing. It's a, it's the foreshadow. But they're doing these night raids and early morning raids where they are kind of pulling people out of their beds, but they're not dragging them in the streets and beating them But yet. they're making a show yet. of it. I mean, yet. think about the resources that were that were required to track Mike Lindell oh my from, gosh. A, from a hunting trip. This is a guy that sells pillows and has an opinion on, the, you know, he the advertises election. on Fox News, has uh-huh. an opinion on the election. Uh-huh. I, I don't know what crime, you know... <laughs> requires the FBI to track this guy across wherever and, and, and hold him up at a fast food joint with you know with uh, uh, all these uh, federal agents around and the spectacle of it all this is intimate this political intimidation this is something if we read about it that happening in Venezuela or Cuba or Russia or a place like that we would say it's par for the course. But we never believed we would see this in America. No, and so we're fighting. I mean, yeah. they're fighting. And I think, uh, God willing, the American people are waking up. But the problem is, Congressman, D.C. has gained so much power, like I have to tell you this. And I often say if we could just 
demolish, not kill anyone. I'm not advocating that. No, of course we could not. just do away with D.C., let it sink into the ocean, and live without D.C. for, you know, a, a year. A we, this country would be a different place. It sure would, and, and we, we, I, I think the people in this town think that the, that the, you know, the sun sets and rises on them and, and yeah, the they things do. they do, and that all the American people wake up every day and say, well, I wonder what my congressman or what my senator's doing. Yeah. The, the people's lives don't, we're not the center of their lives. D.C. is not and shouldn't be. But it's trying to be, and it's imposing itself to be. People are now starting to wake up instead of thinking about their kids or what they're having for dinner or, or what their next job or opportunity might be. They're probably thinking about, well, what am I allowed to say? Exactly. The people are scared. But this yeah. is, of course, one of the anecdotes to this is we all stand up and refuse yeah. to back down. Yeah. Just to refuse to back, back you down. You have to be courageous. And just say, say what you think. And, you know, I, this reminds me, there's this great movie. I think it was a Hitchcock movie, actually. It was about East Germany. I used to live in Berlin, so these things fascinate me. But it was uh, during World War... Maybe this is past World War II. But anyway, there's a guy running from... Uh, I believe it's the Soviets, sorry. And it's there in Paris. And people are, you know, riding their bicycles as they do in Paris. Uh, and so this man is trying to escape. They're chasing him, chasing him. He jumps on a bicycle, and all these bicyclists come around him. So that, that nobody can see him, and they're all just doing their business. They got their groceries, and they're you know being ringing their bells, and just you know. But they cover for him because right. there's so many of them. There's hundreds of them, and the the the, uh, the Soviets can't get him. And I think that that's a metaphor just to what we need to do. Yeah. If we all stand up and say no, or if we all said we're not paying our taxes, or if we all said, uh, but we just if we all said we've had enough, we've had enough, we've had, we've had, enough had and just m- massive marches on this place, and you know. But it's it's hard to do because of what they've done over J6, which reminds me of the J6 guys. I'm just sick about this. I know you are too, Congressman. It's continuing to be horrible in this jail, which is not very far from right, you. Right, right. These are political prisoners living in America. Many of them walked into the Capitol, invited in by the Capitol Police. We were not allowed to see the film. Of course, you know, anytime you want to defend any person that... Look, there, are, there were people that were bad actors there. And we don't know if they were provocateurs provided by, uh, you know, the, the, the federal authorities. And, and look, I'm not making a claim there, but we, we just don't know. And with, when you see what happened when the Gretchen Whitmer, the governor case... Uh, you just have to wonder. Where they manufactured the story, right, that she right. was, and they incited the people right. that were yeah, they didn't trap of, these people, right? So, well, um, there's enough video now. Honestly, I've watched a ton of it. I because this, I care. I'm so passionate about getting these guys out. I think we can uh, comfortably say that there was. There, I've seen videos of these police. I saw one, you know, beating this woman. Uh, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't think of her name in this moment, but she was in the tunnel. It wasn't right. wasn't the one that died, Rosemary Borland. This woman survived, and uh, they beat her like 17 times. I saw the policewoman doing it. So um, I think we can be pretty sure that something was not right on that side either. But, you know, if you guys should prevail, and I heard a prognostication yesterday, very favorable, that the Republicans are going to take the House and the Senate, actually, uh, by, I think, the, the prognostication in the Senate was 53. Um, do you, are, what are you going to do? What are you well, going to do? Well, I will tell you, from our standpoint, we got one chance. The, the public will give us one more chance to do big things. And because I think we're on the edge of losing the country, and we better turn this town upside down. It cannot go back to business as usual. It can't go back to the way things were. 
And so I, I think, look, the only thing we have, we're not the executive branch, right? So we, we can't arrest people. We can investigate people to a certain extent. We can't, uh, you know, o overstep our bounds there. But we can refer charges or what have you. And if the Justice Department doesn't want to do it, okay. But, well, no, it's not okay, but we can't force them to do it. What we can do is make sure they don't have a dime. And that's what we need to do. Which takes us to what's happening right now, this uh, continuing resolution on funding the government. I, I, this is hard for people to understand. It, can you do an easy explanation before you tell us what's happening? Yeah, we, we, we haven't passed any appropriations bills. They deemed, so they just came up with a budget. There was no vote on They just came up with a budget. We don't have any appropriations bills because they, they can't get their side to vote for them. So we're going to do a continuing resolution, which just continues to fund the government as, as it is, is. Right. But they're going to add a bunch of stuff, like COVID spending, even though the president just said that the pandemic is over. They're going to add billions and billions of dollars, Ukraine, you name it, right? Domestic <laughs> programs. And what they want to do is they want to continue to fund the government into December. So December's lame duck. So there'll be, a, there'll be an election between now and December. Many Democrats will have lost, some will have retired, but they'll still be serving in Congress in December. And so not only are they going to pass it until then with all this additional spending, continuing the onslaught and the tyranny of the federal government that's imposing itself on, on the American people right now, but then they're going to have another bite at the apple in December, even though many Republicans will have just won, but they won't be seated yet. And so there'll be no accountability, and they'll and they'll try and 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 enforce and enshrine the policies and the spending as far into the next term as possible. Okay, so uh, the Republicans are lockstep opposing this continuing resolution, right? No, no, that's the problem. Yeah. Why would one Republican in the House or Senate vote okay. to help the Democrats? But it's not just one. No, of course right. not. Is Kevin McCarthy fighting against this continuing he's, he, resolution? Look, in, 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 uh, in respect and in, in reference to Kevin McCarthy, he, put, he sent out a tweet and he said that he will not vote for it and no other Republican should vote for it. But we asked him a week, two weeks ago, whip it, whip against it. Put Republicans on notice. Let the American people know which ones would actually consider. Not one Republican should consider voting for it. And they'll say, well, but we're only the House. The Sen senators are going to vote for this thing. Look, senators shouldn't vote for it, and we should let them know of our displeasure and disdain by us not voting for it and leading the charge and giving them the backbone and the backing to say, no, and we're let, not going to help you. Oh, let me guess. Senator McConnell is going to be fine with this. Look, I can't speak Look. for the Senate, but uh, but if it passes, it's going to take Republican votes to pass it. Senator McConnell, Senator McC Kevin McCarthy, feckless, not doing anything. Senator McConnell, really doing things against conservatives, just doesn't seem to care. Doesn't care about the spending. Uh, and so I just heard yesterday about what his PAC is doing, how they're refusing to help uh, Blake Masters in spite of reports. It's nothing new. Give, yeah, nothing so new. I think Blake Masters is down 10 points in Arizona, and McConnell's PAC is just withholding money. He doesn't care. And he says, he said publicly that we're going to lose the Senate. But that's not true. The stats show, the polls show that the Republicans could take the Senate. What's the matter with the leadership of the Republican Party? Unfortunately, sometimes what's important to the American people is not important to leadership. So what leadership is often interested in is being in leadership. And okay. so they comport themselves to the point where the things they do are in search and in pursuit of being in leadership, not saving the republic. The wear and tear of everyday life can take a significant toll on your marriage. 
On the next Focus on the Family, Dr. Randy Schrader offers practical tips for a marriage tune-up that will help you strengthen your relationship with your spouse. That's next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Focus on the Family is heard each weekday morning at 5 o'clock Central on American Family Radio. Kanye West said pornography destroyed his family. His former wife, Kim, appeared in Playboy, and he said he won't let pornography destroy his daughters. He said he must deal with the addiction Instagram promotes. Jesus warned us about the power of lust to destroy lives and families. Once you're hooked on porn, the devil is in control of your life. I think we need to take Kanye's advice and protect ourselves and our families from porn. I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The American Enterprise Institute conducted an empirical study to understand the decline of religious faith in America. They concluded the data seemed to show the main driver of secularization in the United States is government spending on education and control over the curricular content taught in schools. Why? Because children learn more at school than reading, writing, and arithmetic. They imbibe a whole set of implied assumptions about what's important in life. Faith in God becomes a sort of optional, weekend hobby akin to playing tennis or video games. And our tax dollars pay for it. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses watching your hard-earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option called MediShare 65+. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills, and it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65+, is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. You can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. In President Biden's speech to the United Nations yesterday, he declared U.S. support for a long list of problematic leftist approaches to, among other things, climate change, food insecurity, human rights, international peace, and the LGBTQ agenda. In the mix, he endorsed a particularly dubious idea, adding more nations as veto-wielding permanent members of the UN Security Council. The left has long promoted this idea as not only a way to elevate the stature of their favorite third world countries in various regions, but to diminish the cloud of existing Western members, including the United States. Mr. Biden implicitly condemned Russia's use of its Security Council veto, yet favors giving that power to more states. The practical effect would be to eliminate whatever limited utility the Council still has, rendering it little more than an expensive but utterly irrelevant debating society. This is Frank Gaffney. 
Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. We are opening up a case uh, with an investigation with regard to the suspected uh, activities involving the 48 migrants from Venezuela that, as we understand it at this point, the facts of the case at this point, are that on uh, Wednesday, September 14th, uh, here in Bear County in the city of San Antonio, uh, our understanding is that a Venezuelan migrant uh, was paid a, a, what we would call a bird dog fee to recruit approximately 50 migrants from the area around a migrant resource center on San Pedro uh, here in San Antonio. Uh, as we understand it, 48 migrants were uh, lured, I will use the word lured, uh, under false pretenses uh, into, into staying at a hotel for a couple of days. Uh, they were taken by airplane. At a certain point, they were shuttled to an airplane. Uh, where they were flown to Florida and then eventually flown to Martha's Vineyard, again under false pretenses is the, the information that we have, that they were promised work, they were promised the solution to several of their problems. They were taken to uh, Martha's Vineyard from what, from what we can gather uh, for nothing, for little more than a photo op, video op, and then they were unceremoniously stranded in Martha's Vineyard. Um, all right. Well, that, that's enough of that. But that's the sheriff of Bexar County, Texas. And for some reason, he's not at our radio row. Hold their feet to the fire here uh, in Washington, D.C. He, he didn't make it this time, uh, but Tom Holman did. Tom is uh, the former acting director of Immigration and Customs Enforcement. He is now a Fox News contributor now that he's grown up. He's a Fox News contributor <laughs> and also a senior fellow at the Immigration Reform Law Institute. Tom, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. You didn't like that, did you? No, they, 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 they didn't play a couple of parts that really irritated me, but you know, you want to talk about a photo op, that's exactly what he did. Look, he made a statement during, during one, of the, one of his press conferences that these people are coming anyway, so they should come and we should give them jobs. This guy's a moron. As a law enforcement officer, he just, to invite more illegal immigration, on top of he just had a, a tractor trailer in his city, with 50 dead migrants that suffocated, baked to death, and to, and to entice, encourage more to come, it's just incomprehensible. He needs to take that badge off his chest and put it in his desk drawer because he stopped being a cop and became a politician. Exactly. Where is Bexar County? Is that near Austin? Bear County is San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio. Yeah, that was pretty shocking. And now, of course, you know that the the, they found legal help for the immigrants, the 50. They went to Martha's Vineyard, and now they're suing Ron DeSantis for whatever he, they're suing him for. It's just uh, the world. This is what they always do, though. We should have seen that coming, right? Well, he's got, he's got, he's got dreams of being a congressman or something. There's, there's got to be a reason he, he did this, but it wasn't for the right reasons. He, you know, he, he didn't act like a law enforcement officer that wants to save lives and, and stop the, the, the trafficking to his city. That isn't the first. They had a tractor trailer two years ago, too, that many people, I think 17 died. Wow. So, you know, he ought to do his job yes. and, and stop trying to be a politician. But he, he, he's an embarrassment to the San, Diego, uh, San Antonio. He's an embarrassment to law enforcement. You know, uh, one thing that I know I'm, I'm thinking you agree with me on, Tom, the sheriffs are the heroes in this story. Yes. You know, they're elected by the people. 
and uh, they are steadfast men. They are hardliners on this issue, and they are the ones, kind of the last de- defense, aren't they? Yes, they are. Because since the, since the um, Border Patrol has had their hands tied. Sheriffs have really stepped up to help secure the border, um, and I know the Texas Sheriff's Association is not happy with this sheriff either. He just, what he said was just beyond the pale. To, to, you know, try to encourage more people to come is just it was idiotic. You know, I want to go back in time a minute and ask you about something different. You are, your, your title was Acting Director of Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Ken Cuccinelli, who's a good friend of mine, was Acting Director of, uh, uh, what is it? I can't remember his exact title, but it was always Acting Director. Why were you guys just Acting Directors? Because the uh, Senate wouldn't move on the nominations. Yeah, that was Senator McConnell, as I recall. Yeah, he would not move on Donald Trump's nominations. Set on them, set on them, set on them. And it's so disgusting. I'm not a fan of his, Tom. Well, I, I, sat on, I sat on the sidelines for a year and a half. And at a certain point, you know, I, I, you know, I, I talked to the President Trump. I had an offer from Fox News. Um, and he and I both agreed I'd probably be more benefit him on the outside, talking about his policies and the success of them than be sitting on the sidelines waiting for a confirmation hearing. So yeah. that's when I chose to retire and uh, start working for Fox. Tom, you were you worked under the Obama administration, didn't you? I worked under six presidents, starting six. with Ronald Reagan. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so, I, you know, when I first saw you appointed, you know, I'm always suspicious because, you know, who serves for Barack Obama and actually believes in doing what's right at the border? But you are one of those people. You must have been going crazy during those years. First couple of years, no, because we removed a lot of aliens. And my first first three years on Obama, we removed over a million illegal aliens. And that's he got criticized for that. And it was your fault, huh? Then he got called the deporter in chief. All of a sudden, we got you know pretty much know shut that. down. Yeah, his last four years were terrible. Yeah, I was, just couldn't get anything done. Then they came up with this DACA thing that caused uh, DACA caused a family surge because now every mother and father want to bring the kid here to be the next DACA recipient. That was the worst decision they could have ever made. Yeah, and the Republicans were all in on that too. Not yeah. all of them, but a many lot of them. The leadership, of them. the leadership was. Um, let me ask you, just logistically, you've been around the block for a long time. You understand this issue inside and out. Could we unring the bell if we got a new administration in and we got a better Congress in? Could we unring this bell? Some of it, you could. You could absolutely secure the border because all you got to do is dust off the the Trump plans that we created and implemented. But as far as the millions of people that made it into this country, you're never going to be able to remove them all. Won't be able to find them. They'll be in the wind. And they're going to be in the wind on purpose. Because this country's proven over and over again, if you hide out long enough, we'll give you something. We'll give you amnesty. We'll give you DACA. So most of them will be in the wind. It'll be hard to find. And frankly, ICE don't have the resources to remove 20 million people. So we need to let them remove themselves. How they do that? Pass E-Verified. They can't get a job. They're not going to stay. If they can't get in-state tuition, they're not going to stay. If they can't take advantage of our social services, they're not going to stay. If they have a child in the United States and he's not a U.S. citizen, they're not. You know, they're not going to try to have children here. So it's, it's, it's. We're never going to unring the bell the millions that they let in all the way. But you know, we'll give it our best shot. Well, we, there was proof of that. Remember you? I'm asking you if you remember. <laughs> remember when the company di- country did empty out of a lot of illegal immigrants when the, when some of the benefits did dry up under Trump, and that happened. It was amazing. And actually, uh, me thinks I could actually see a difference uh, that we were we were not so overrun. We are overrun right now. Uh, so that actually happened, right? Absolutely. I mean, again, 
if, if, if you keep rewarding illegal behavior, bad behavior, it's not going to stop. I mean, I learned that as a kid, and uh, my parents made sure of that. So, I'm, <laughs> so, you know, there has to be a consequence. There has to be deterrence to entering this country illegally. What? Look, I, I was reading that um, the, the, the distinctions are a little confusing, but I think four, four and a half illegal immigrants at least have try to get across the border or they've processed four and a half million, something like that. Two million is the number they're giving for having gotten into the country. I'm surprised they tried to stop anyone. Are they stop? What, on what basis would they have stopped two million? Well, look, they've, uh, they've had two million encounters across the border so far this fiscal year. It's actually over two million. There'll be about, by the end of fiscal year, there'll be about 2.3 million. They got 1.7 last year. That's four million illegal encounters. Now, that's not counting the gotaways. And the gotaways, people say, where do you come up with the gotaways? Well, the recorded gotaways, they've been captured on video, camera, or drone traffic, or sensor traffic. And they're counted. And they're over 900,000 now. So by the time of the end of this fiscal year, there'll be a million, or a little over a million. So we're talking a total of five million illegal aliens across the board that we know about. There's gotaways we don't know about because there's many portions of the border that doesn't have the drones, that don't have the sensor capabilities. So we don't know what we don't know. So if we know there's five, there's probably going to be more like seven if we count the unknown. So in his administration, this keeps up. You're talking about maybe as many as 15 illegal aliens crossing the border. There's absolutely no way you're going to be able to find them and remove them. And, and based on immigration court data, what people need to know the, the left keeps saying, well, they're asylum seekers, they're asylum seekers, they're asylum seekers. Yeah, I, technically, but if you look at immigration court data over the last 10 years, 9 out of 10 don't qualify for asylum. They will lose their case if they show up in court. They'll get ordered removed. Well, so asylum means that they're under the threat of persecution or harm in their home country, right? So Because their race, religion, true. political affiliation. Exactly. You talk to them on the border. I mean, uh, Bill Malusian talks a lot down there on the border, Griff Jenkins. They're coming to get a job. They're coming because they're poor. I get it, but that doesn't qualify for asylum. And 9 out of 10 lose their case. And the reason they're not detaining anybody, they want to release everybody, because the Homeland Security Life Cycle Report, which is a report, a comprehensive report on the life cycle of illegal immigration, that was, that was written by the Department of Homeland Security, says if you get order removed, you're not detained. If you're an unaccompanied alien child, you only leave 3% if you're order removed. If you're family unit, you only leave 6% of the time. If you're a single adult, you leave 18% of the time. This administration knows that. So they know 90% are going to lose their case, and they know no one will leave if they don't detain them. Because the same report says if you're detained, you get a final order, you're removed 99.6% of the time. That's why they're not, that's why they're releasing everybody, because they don't want them to ever leave. I need to say that we always say that this upcoming midterm election, we always say the next election is, you know, the most important of our lifetime. And if this does not illustrate it, the the Democrats fully intend to make it possible for these illegal immigrants to vote. It will be the last time. Uh, Americans that love the Constitution, that where this is our homeland, our parents, our grandparents, this is our homeland, it will be the last chance for us to actually make a free choice, I believe, if we don't win this midterm. And so I'm, I've been encouraging my listeners, Tom, to not leave the field. I know it's discouraging. We are overrun with bad news. I haven't even talked about immigration, to be honest with you, in months just because, oh, bits and pieces. But there's so many other stories, so many other horrible things happening. We are overwhelmed, but we can't leave the field yet. You d- you're not leaving the field. Would you just say a word to people about, uh, just encourage them to, to stay in? 
Look, I've, I've, I've done this. I was in the government almost 35 years, and that pendulum swings left to the right, depending on who's in the White House. But it's never swung this far left, ever. But I hold out hope. Um, first of all, I hold out hope we take the House over, because even though we may not control the White House, if we take that back to the House, we control the purse strings. We control the budget. And we can shut the government down if they don't... This, this, this border issue is such a huge issue. It's not just an immigration issue anymore. It's a national security issue because of the threat of terrorism. Shut the government down and say, we're going to shut the government down until you show us at least one thing you're going to do to secure this border. That's the power of the purse. But we're not going to be able to change the overall system until we get back in the White House. Because Joe, even if we, even if we got the House and the Senate, Joe Biden still has the power of the executive pen. So we got to take the White House back. And, and, and what, I, I've been out three years now. I haven't left the field. I'm working harder now than I did when I was ice director. I'm, I, I travel. I'm on the road 25 days a month. And and uh, I had dinner with President Trump about eight weeks ago in Las Vegas. And I hold out hope that he's coming back. I told him right over dinner, you come back, I come back. And we'll fix it. We'll get it back to where it was on his administration, except this time we're going to finish it. We'll get the border secured at another, you know, 40-year uh, record, and we'll, it can be fixed. The border can be fixed. So I look forward, even though I kind of enjoy retirement. I make, <laughs> I make more money than I've ever made with the government. But I told the president, I come back for free at this point because I'm so pissed off what they did to the border. So I hold out hope we'll take the White House back in 24. And if, they, if we do, the right person sitting in that White House, I'll come back, along with a few of my friends and uh, that yes. we, the Trump A team, and we'll come back and we'll, we'll close that border. Uh, What's it love that, love that. Um, one last question. We're almost out of time. Tom, how is it? How is it that you've been in this city for so long, this district, and you still have a passion for this country? You do, you're not the Washington deluded person that, you know, I lived here for years, so I know all about this. And my, how have you maintained your integrity of, of your thinking and what's right and wrong? I love my country. I mean, I uh, I grew up in a small town near the Canadian border. I mean, everybody flew an American flag on their front porch. And I was four miles outside of Fort Drum. Very, very passionate, very uh, country-loving childhood. And uh, I wore the Border Patrol uniform. I was a special agent. I served my country for 35 years. Just because I retired doesn't mean I can't serve my country. So I'm continuing serving it. Because, look, I, I said it. I'm pissed. We, had, we handed this administration the most secure border in my lifetime, and they intentionally destroyed it. They did. Intentionally is the operative word there. Tom Holman, always a pleasure. Take, take, take care of yourself. And we say, tell the FBI we said hi when they invade your home. Yeah. Uh, but this, is a, this has been live. We've, this has been fun. We hold, you, hold their feet to the fire 2022 on Radio Row. And, uh, well, I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.